R.O. Shipman, Chaplain, U.S. Army. R.O. Shipman was the group Chaplain's name. When he'd exhausted all possibilities in the letters, he began attacking the names and addresses on the envelopes, obliterating whole homes and streets, annihilating entire metropolises with careless flicks of his wrist as though he were God. Catch-22 required that each censored letter bear the censoring officer's name. Most letters he didn't read at all. On those he didn't read at all, he wrote his own name. On those he did read, he wrote Washington Irving. When that grew monotonous, he wrote Irving Washington. Censoring the envelopes had serious repercussions, produced a ripple of anxiety on some ethereal military echelon that floated a CID man back into the ward, posing as a patient. They all knew he was a CID man because he kept inquiring about an officer named Irving or Washington, and because after his first day there, he wouldn't censor letters. He found them too monotonous. It was a good war this time, one of the best he and Dunbar had ever enjoyed. With them this time was the 24-year-old fighter pilot captain with a sparse golden mustache who'd been shot into the Adriatic Sea in midwinter and not even caught cold. Now the summer was upon them, the captain had not been shot down, and he said he had the grip. In the bed on Yossarian's right, still lying amorously on his belly, was the startled captain with malaria in his blood and a mosquito bite on his ass. Across the aisle from Yossarian was Dunbar, and next to Dunbar was the artillery captain with whom Yossarian had stopped playing chess. The captain was a good chess player, and the games were always interesting. Yossarian had stopped playing chess with him because the games were so interesting they were foolish. Then there was the educated Texan from Texas, who looked like someone in technicolor and felt, patriotically, that people of means decent folk, should be given more votes than drifters, whores, criminals, degenerates, atheists, and indecent folk, people without means. Yossarian was unspringing rhythms in the letters the day they brought the Texan in. It was another quiet, hot, untroubled day. The heat pressed heavily on the roof, stifling sound. Dunbar was lying motionless on his back again, with his eyes staring up at the ceiling like a doll's. He was working hard at increasing his lifespan. He did it by cultivating boredom. Dunbar was working so hard at increasing his lifespan that Yossarian thought he was dead. They put the Texan in a bed in the middle of the ward, and it wasn't long before he donated his views. Dunbar sat up like a shot. That's it, he cried excitedly. There was something missing. All the time I knew there was something missing, and now I know what it is. He banged his fist down into his palm. No patriotism, he declared. You're right, Yossarian shouted back. You're right, you're right, you're right. The hot dog, the Brooklyn Dodgers, Mum's apple pie, that's what everyone's fighting for. But who's fighting for the decent folk? Who's fighting for more votes for the decent folk? There's no patriotism, that's what it is, and no matriotism either. The warrant officer on Yossarian's left was unimpressed. Who gives a shit? He asked tiredly and turned over on his side to go to sleep. The Texan turned out to be good-natured, generous, and likable. In three days, no one could stand him. He sent shudders of annoyance scampering up ticklish spines, and everybody fled from him, everybody but the soldier in white, who had no choice. The soldier in white was encased from head to toe in plaster and gauze. He had two useless legs and two useless arms. He had been smuggled into the war during the night, and the men had no idea he was among them until they awoke in the morning and saw the two strange legs hoisted from the hips, the two strange arms anchored up perpendicularly, 
all four limbs pinioned strangely in air by lead weights suspended darkly above him that never moved. Sewn into the bandages over the insides of both elbows were zippered lips through which he was fed clear fluid from a clear jar. A silent zinc pipe rose from the cement on his groin and was coupled to a slim rubber hose that carried waste from his kidneys and dripped it efficiently into a clear, stoppered jar on the floor. When the jar on the floor was full, the jar feeding his elbow was empty, and the two were simply switched quickly so that the stuff could drip back into him. All they ever really saw of the soldier in white was a frayed black hole over his mouth. The soldier in white had been filed next to the Texan, and the Texan sat sideways on his own bed and talked to him throughout the morning, afternoon, and evening in a pleasant, sympathetic drawl. The Texan never minded that he got no reply. Temperatures were taken twice a day in the ward, early each morning and late each